1: of unique items that you can't find anywhere else their cheese section is insane
0: I love it's two o'clock here at Mutiny Radio and when you hear the trippy music the spaced out weirdo music you know what time it is it is time for there are some who call me Tim Welcome to Someone Call Me Tim Uh, I'm your host Pam Benjamin I am joined today by the lovely, uh, funny and uh, charismatic host of a show on FCC Free that's on Sundays and she's hilarious and wonderful you can see her all over San Francisco Cassandra Inglesby, yay Hi, hi, yay Right, welcome to some, call me Tim. Uh, this is the show where we talk about every week what one individual believes in, what makes them tick, what keeps them alive, what keeps them rocking on this earth. And uh, yeah, that's that's what we that's what we talk about. So usually we start out with uh, looking deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus <laughs> and asking, do do you believe in Jesus?
1: No, I do not i'm I'm not a Christian. Uh, so I do not believe in Jesus. he has very that's a very sparkly picture of Jesus. He
0: has very kind eyes. Did yeah. you ever believe in Jesus? You've never no, believed in Jesus. Yeah,
1: so I was my family's Jewish. um but I wasn't raised with a religion. so like religion like growing up was like which which winter holiday do you celebrate? Do you celebrate Christmas or do you celebrate Hanukkah? And that was like that was religion growing up. Gotcha. But my family celebrated both. Oh, good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so you, you you got eight days of presents and then a ninth day of presents. Yeah. You got okay. nine nine presents. It's oh, nice. Yeah. That's good.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so your mother's Jewish. Yeah, my mom's Jewish. So you're Jewish. technically a Jew. You're a real Jew. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's, it's like, I just did a 23andMe thing. I think it's like 50.1% Akhenazi Jew. Wow. Yeah.
0: Where is that? Where are they from?
1: Uh, I don't. I don't know the
0: history of the tribes of the Jewish people. Gotcha. I my my brother did some research and found out that my last name isn't really Benjamin. It was Mm Rakovsky. Our people were called the Rakovskys, and they came from like Russia. They were like Russian Jews. Oh. Okay. So when they moved to America, they thought. Benjamin sounds less Jewy. i I'm like, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what the reasoning was to change the name.
1: During that time, I think a lot of people end up changing their names because they couldn't pronounce it or they couldn't spell it or they're just like, your name is this now. And Right. Um, the, my my grandparents' name is Bauer, uh, which is B-O-W-E-R. Um, but the original spelling was
0: like B-A-U, uh, I don't know, something like Umlaut or something. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of German or something. Yeah. Right on. Uh, so you never believed in Jesus, but you also didn't believe in Judaism. Not really, yeah. So did you, what, if you have no religious base, what gives, I mean, what gives your life meaning? <laughs> That's a weird yeah, question uh, to ask, but because, I mean, doesn't mean that if you have religion that your life has meaning either. It just means that, I don't know, there's some set of rules and laws that you go by to sort of live your life. So, like, where do you...
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's, a, like, societal um, kind of st- structure of, of, like, you're influenced by things, like, throughout culture, which is mostly Christian-based kind of, uh, you know, belief system of, of morality and um, kindness and t- towards others and kindness. things like that.
0: You, yeah. you, you feel like a kind person? Mm-hmm.
1: I, I, try to, I try to be empathetic, to uh, you know, towards people around me. It's hard when you live in San Francisco and you see as much, uh, you know, Tragedy and everything is here,
0: like with people on the like questionably housed. Yes, yeah, and the, the fact that we
1: have like eight thousand homeless people in San Francisco yeah. is is crazy.
0: It is. I when I was walking home last night from the BART, there were lots of people sleeping on the ground.
1: Yeah, and they yell at the, they yell at them like they they move, push people around. Like the police will come in and. You, there's like certain time periods where you're allowed to be on the ground, and when you're really? not, you have to be out. Yeah, you have to be out of. Uh, you have to be up and out um, by before eight a.m. and um, Wow. Uh, or the or, or the police will come and like take your stuff.
0: Whoa! <laughs> so if you so if you're like ha, if you have a sleeping bag, yeah, and they'll just dump you out of your sleeping bag and take it.
1: Uh, I'm not sure exactly how that okay. works, but um, I've I've seen them try to like get like. Throw, throw things away or get people to move or yeah
0: My one of my friends told me a story about uh, the street sweeper getting so angry and hosing a person down with water oh wow so, so just ruined all their blankets and stuff yeah and it's like seriously <laughs> it's Uh, where's the compassion
1: yeah i've seen the um dump truck they they brought in a dump truck um into one of the tent communities and they just started uh, i have a film of it um they just started taking they were these people were gone for literally 15 minutes and they just took all of their their family photos and their tents and their blankets and their pillows and their bicycle and they're just tossing it into a a dump truck
0: dpw yeah I saw that on um, in front of Cell Space here on Bryant well it's not Cell Space anymore they knocked it down and they're building some big monstrosity but before they knocked it down there were some people that were living in front of it and uh, they 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 were just dumping their stuff and the people were like no 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 let us get the stuff together and the, the police and the people who were throwing things away said we came two hours ago and we warned you and you're not you're still here so we warned you, so we're taking all your stuff away. And mm-hmm. I was like, kind of watching them take their stuff away, and thinking, I, I, I mean, I, who? What are you? Do we? Should we have ten community? Like, how do we fix it? Do we? Right. Do we make like a tent community and police it, or is it a danger issue? Like, why?
1: Yeah, I think sometimes they are doing the small house movement type stuff, where they're building <sighs> small houses and have everything. Um, like self-sufficient with solar panels and compostable uh, compostable toilets. Oh, right, um, right, 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 right. Stuff like that. I, I don't remember where they're doing that, but I don't know why
0: they're not doing it here. Yeah, wouldn't I mean? So, your answer to homelessness is provide housing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, wow, it's revolutionary. Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. No, I mean it's. There was a there was a there's a person who's running for mayor named Amy Weiss, and she had an idea. During the um, Super Bowl fiasco, oh, okay, yeah. So they spent four million dollars on just busing and getting all the questionably housed people out of downtown and moving them to Daly City for like a week. They gave wow. them. Yeah. They ended up what they just they gave them like vouchers, and it cost four million dollars. But they they used these voucher systems, and so they had homes for a week, like in Daly City. But what Amy Farrah Weiss was saying. We could have bought yurts. They're felt yurts. They're sustainable. Yeah. They are like great the good materials, breathable. They have a door and a window. They cost about 400 bucks a piece. And we could have given people homes that they could place and move. Yeah. But then what do we just do they police themselves? What how would you imagine let's say that The eight thousand people that are questionably housed in San Francisco, we give them all a tiny house. Mm
1: -hmm. Where do we put them? Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: Um, Like Bayview, that's not nice because the ground isn't very good in Bayview. Although they're gentrifying there too. Like where they already are under the freeway, that's terrible. I mean, and then once they're there, do they police themselves? Is there a but who who polices us? Why are we (laughs) afraid of these people?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's I mean it's a multi it's a multi like tiered issue because it's not just housing it's also mental health it's also um, drug addiction um, it's uh, maybe behavioral issues or you know any any of these kind of things that put people in these you know not not everyone. Is, is the issue is that they can't afford a house, so they don't have a house down the street. It's a lot of, it's a multi, you know, component, there's different components to it. Yeah. Um. And I think that we have to deal, you know, take on all of the issues, like, um, to be able to, you know, have people have proper
0: housing. How do you stay mentally healthy? a lot of medication.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> a lot of med- is it
0: expensive? Is it expensive medication? Um
1: no, I I have medical so Oh, oh good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I have Medi-Cal too. Um but yeah, I'm uh, I'm on a lot of different um anti-anxiety, anti-panic and anti-depression medications. Wow.
0: Anti- so you used to have panic attacks? I have really bad panic attacks, yeah. What is, what is if you're okay with explaining it, what is that mm. like for you? Because yeah. I don't know if I've ever had a panic attack. I know that sometimes I sob uncontrollably, but I don't know if it's from panic or just because I hate myself.
1: Yeah, like, so <laughs> that, that might be a depression attack. So it, it's similar feeling. Um, a panic attack is just like oh, just an overwhelming sense of um, just being overwhelmed and not knowing, like, what, how to handle yourself or how to handle the situation. You feel your, heart, like, chest is tightened, heart beating super fast. Um, you, you sometimes feel like you're going to die. Um, heart attack, can't breathe Ooh. feeling. Um, Almost yeah. like you're going to pass out? Not necessarily passive, but it feels like you're ha- you're gonna you you feel like you might have a heart attack. You might be, whoa yeah. And the first that's, that's the first one that it lasted for three hours when I was about 15. Whoa! And
0: I, I thought I really thought I was dying. Wow! It Numbness was. in the extremities? A little bit. Yeah. So you feel like because yeah. when they say heart attacks, it's like your arm goes numb or yeah, something, I mean, and you're like yeah. I'm gonna die. And what 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 triggers you? Uh, I have a lot of triggers. <laughs> and yeah. did you? But when you were fifteen, there was still triggering yeah, actions so that were happening.
1: That that was triggered by driving, ah. uh, so I, I can't drive. Yeah, I can't drive either. Yeah,
0: I I used to drive, and I have no idea how I did it. I have no idea mm. how I could. I can't even ride in a car now. Oh really? Jonathan hates when I'm in the car with him because I'm constantly like, <gasps> oh yeah, like. I don't understand. There's people coming, I'm like Like people are trying to merge in and then these kind and they don't use their blinker and I'm like, How do you know what they're gonna do? What's going on? Like Yeah, it's way overwhelming. It is. I can't believe that people drive all the time. Yeah. It seems like such higher order thinking and yet we just were like, Hey, a sixteen year old, I have the keys, let's right, go grab yeah,
1: it. I take this death machine and, and drive it around. Take this death machine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's
0: let's hurdle ourselves through space at rapid rates in a in a in a metal object. Yeah. Wow, yeah, so that, driving scares me, too. Whatever, I mean, I'm, and, and he hates it. I don't mind the bus, though. Oh, okay. The bus makes me feel safe for some reason.
1: Maybe the people, or the positioning of the seats? Or I think not it has to do with to
0: the, the professionality of the driver, and that it's so big, we're so much bigger than a car. Mm-hmm. Car. I feel like a car can't hurt us in a bus. Oh, okay. Kinda no matter how hard they hit us, you yeah. can't really be hurt in a bus. I feel that way and also they drive for a living so and I trust them for some reason I really really not that I don't trust my boyfriend when I'm in the car with him I absolutely trust him it's the everyone else around us that I don't trust yeah I don't know their motivations road rage freaks me out like oh and it's real too people will get out of their cars and shoot people (laughs) it's fucking real I'm so scared of all that Um, so other I completely agree with you on that one but other triggering things. Um,
1: So yeah, I have PTSD as well as panic disorder and uh, my PTSD triggers could be um, anything from a a picture of someone or a location or a name of something or um, uh, I was, I used to work on a a particular uh, IP game and that IP triggers me and that IP is the number, like it's, I could just, its they announced it, so I'm just going to say it. So uh, I worked on Harry Potter uh, oh. and the Wizards United game, uh, which is coming out, I guess, in the summer. Um, and uh, Harry Potter is a trigger. Wow! And Harry Potter is literally mentioned by name on a daily
0: basis. Of course, it, yeah. And yeah. anytime anyone's brandishing a wand, yeah, it's a the wand first thing you think or, of. Yeah, 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 um, yeah,
1: You know, I, I went to a, like this one random festival thing, and every, we, all, we all wore ponchos, and someone's like, "Yeah, look, Harry Potter robes," and I was just like, ah. "You can't
0: get away from it." You, can't, you, can't, get from you that. That. can't get away from it. It's it's everywhere, and it's yeah. on TV, and it's they have rides and yeah, places Universal Studios. Th- it's it's everywhere. Yeah. There's yeah. seven movies or eight movies, however many. Yeah, no. Yeah. It's crazy.
1: It's I'm getting better with that one. That one, it took a long time for me to get past that. Um, I'm like, now I'm not like crying every
0: time I like so hear So when but. you have... See, I was going to say that. So when you have a panic attack, is there crying? Because I... Things will trigger me and I will cry sometimes hysterically and uncontrollably. I try to do it in my house when nobody's watching. Right. <laughs> but... um but it'll i mean i get i wouldn't necessarily call it panic maybe it's just how i manifest
1: yeah i mean it could be that uh, it could be depression it could be other you know other anxiety
0: yeah so any any other ones that are it sound um so when you walk down the street if you see like a poster of it yeah that just i
1: mean it makes me feel really uncomfortable
0: wow yeah and be, because your experience there during it was so horrific?
1: Um, it, when I was laid off, it was right. huge, uh, it, it influenced me like in a, in a very negative way. Right. Um, so, yeah, so that's really Because it cool. brought
0: up feelings of like, why would they do this, like did you feel victimized
1: by it? I, a little bit. Um, I think because it was like my dream project, and I was oh. working on it for three years, oh, and yeah. um, I got really attached, you know, attached to it and everything. Sure. So.
0: Yeah. Okay. More. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing therapy. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> let's. I see. Um, I have a hard time going into the Tenderloin. Uh, right. I had a trauma, traumatic situation that happened there.
0: Um. Uh, let's see what else. Um. Why not? Yeah. Why not move out of the city then?
1: Yeah, well, I live in I live in Berkeley now, oh, okay. so I did move out of the area. Cool. Yeah.
0: Just in the in the the, the change of locale, like yeah, that helped. Helps. Yeah. 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 Do you? I, I'm 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 interested in like. The 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 medication makes you feel better.
1: The medication makes me feel different. Different. Yeah. So uh, it's um, it reduces like the thoughts i have mm. which is both there's pros and cons it's i'm not constantly thinking about like Ways I, I could possibly die. Uh, like, <laughs> uh, you know, like walking down the street and then you get hit by a car. Like, these visions were like constant.
0: Wow. Um, and I think about that a lot, though, too. Like, a, someone someone could, a yeah. stray bullet could just yeah. kill me or, uh, you know, something could fly.
1: Something fall off of. Right, exactly. A I'm so afraid or, of getting or,
0: yeah. hit in the head by random objects. And at the BART track, anytime I see train tracks and there's like a gap, thing like when the train's not there I have to be like way against the wall because yeah. I'm afraid that I'm just going to get haphazardly pushed yeah to yeah. the tracks I
1: have the yeah so I used to get those those kind of visions all the time yeah. and um, so the medications have stopped a lot of those visions but they've also stopped a lot of the creativity as well interesting yeah but it's worth it uh maybe. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> um I mean I'm not I'm I'm still I mean I'm still uh freaking out all the time, I'm still having panic attacks, still crying, you know, uncontrollably, all these kind of uh mental health type things. Um but it's I mean it's helped. Um so I'm not as bad as I was, but I feel that like I'm not like as creative thinking. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, I was on birth control for I don't know from 21 to 32 so 11 years and I felt that those hormones stifled my creativity. I didn't really do oh, anything yeah. creative during those years and then right after I got off the birth control, I like wrote a novel in 6 weeks. Oh wow. <laughs> so I like it I do think that medication yeah like changes your whole body and your whole outlook, but if if it does it in a positive way then Yippee doodle, you know, like. Yeah. yeah. Are you? Have you ever thought about getting off the medication, or it's so helpful that it's just not even a thought?
1: Um, my when I talk to my doctor about it, he wants me to get off some of the medications because I'm on a lot. Um, but I, I've, I haven't been on them for that long. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, I, I sometimes I think about t- get taking off of, getting off of some of them, but I'm not really sure how I'd react.
0: Right. Yeah. And if things are going well, why would you want to throw a wrench in that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are your what are your favorite creative endeavors?
1: Well, I like writing and comedy and um, I make a lot of buttons and yeah. draw sometimes.
0: I don't know how to draw. I can never do that well. Uh, what. So what makes you every day want to get out of bed and do the day?
1: I think it's just because you have to. I really? Th- I
0: think it's just because. You it's just social <laughs> it's, pressure. It's just social pressure. But yeah. you have a show that you do once a week. That's once a month. Once a month.
1: Oh, the radio shows. The radio shows. Radio is
0: weekly. Sh- weekly, yeah. 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 So, so what like, makes you want to do that? So,
1: um,. Yeah, it's really, it's really difficult because uh, another thing I have is agoraphobia. Oh. Um, where I feel like a physical barrier preventing me from leaving my house. Wow. Um, and obligations usually are what um, drives me to leave. So if I'm obligated to do, you know, like I, I told someone I'm doing this thing, or I'm going to this thing, or I'm meeting them, then it's, I feel more obligated to do it to get to force myself to leave. If if I have no obligation to do it, then I'm lot not. I'm less likely to to, to go, leave the house. Yeah, to leave the house. Wow.
0: So then, is your does your life become like a a series of creating obligation for yourself? Y- yes. So it's like once a week, I know I'm going to be here. Yeah. Uh, so this is
1: not my calendar today. I'm doing this today. Right. And right. Have right. To be out.
0: Yeah. Have are you? actively seeking employment again or is that something that, yeah because yeah. that's a big obligation right yeah
1: yeah so I've, I've been I was on disability I, I had a, um, a part-time job a while I was on disability before I'm not on disability now I'm trying to get back onto it yeah. um but yeah I, I, I'm right now I'm like completely unemployed and trying to I'm searching for work and right uh dealing with like all the housing
0: stuff is all right it is so tough like I, I don't have I don't even know that like you have an actual skill set. Um, I, I wouldn't even know how to go about getting a real job at this point. Like there's so much work involved with right, yeah. getting a job that actually sort of suits your talents. And I feel like do people even, I mean, I, I don't know. I have no idea how to search for work. It's very, and that's very oh. overwhelming and scary to me to even think about Reworking my resume, which is like oh, a yeah, pile yeah. of dog shit. Like <laughs> this is the concept of trying to brand myself in some way. Like I, I just hate that concept. Even. Yeah, I don't even want to yeah. like even touch that. I don't even want to get. Yeah, there.
1: my resume right now is just like it's, it has a list of like everything I've done that's unrelated. Like I have comedy on there. I have yeah. radio, the radio show. I have um, you know previous work stuff. I've had volunteer experience. The thing is that it, there's no yeah, there's no like. The, where, you know, there's no... Through line. Yeah, it's just, it's kind of just all over the place. Right. And
0: I'm I'm, a, I'm <laughs> the same way. I'm yeah. all over the place. Uh, so your panic attacks manifest as crying a lot? Sometimes, yeah. In public? See, I cry a lot. Yeah. And I feel like it makes that, with that state of emotion, but it seems like other people just aren't. Yeah. And would it be easier to just be able to express emotions socially, or I don't I don't know what I'm I don't know what I'm getting if at we, with I, this. Yeah,
1: I think we do try to like suppress our emotions in public because we want people to be happy all the time and smiling, right? And, and all that kind of stuff, and that's not
0: realistic. And I feel like sometimes you have feelings, and it, it's okay to own those feelings. But then I get told from the outside like you complain all the time, or you're too negative, right, yeah. and I'm like. I have feelings of disappointment because I'm disappointed. I'm allowed to be right. disappointed. I don't have to rejoice in other people's mediocrity, especially if it affects me negatively in some way. I, I feel like it's okay to express that, but what I get from everyone else is you—you you have to be look pleasant. All that yeah. can't you just be pleasant? Right. You know, why are you crying in public? Can't you just? Hide it. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I I wonder what would happen if I took medication. But it helped. It's it's helped you significantly. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And crying all the no one no one likes. But I've been crying all the time since I was a very small child. Like I remember being in school, and if I was praised, I'd be embarrassed and I would cry. And if I was shamed or criti- cris- criticized in any way, I would become very emotional about it. So yeah. like I've, I've always been that way. And I, I, and I, I don't think that it's necessarily like a bad thing.
1: No, yeah, I don't think, I mean, if you're able to, yeah, I mean, if you're able to get out of bed and you're able to, you know, do your day-to-day life, then it's not a it's not an issue. Right. You're able to express your emotions and yourself, you know, the way you need to. It's when it's when it's preventing you from doing things is when it's a problem. Right. So like m- me feeling anxiety where it literally prevents me from leaving my house,
0: like that's yeah. an issue. Right. So it's I feel the same way. I drink a lot, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that it's become a problem yet because. I can still leave the house in the morning, so whoopity-doo. But when I do have a day where I'm super hungover and can't leave the house and don't get anything done, that's alcohol preventing me from living my life. Gotcha. That's that's an interesting and healthy way to think about it. But why do any of us do our day-to-day lives anyways? Like, why the fuck do we care?
1: Yeah, society, I guess, or... I mean, we're 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 trapped by a lot of societal things, like our financial obligations and oh, our, yeah. um, you
0: know, all of that kind of stuff, so. Financial obligations. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, remember Virginia Woolf, A Room of One's Own. Oh, it, but she, Virginia Woolf in her famous speech, A Room of One's Own, in like, was like 1919 to some girl's school or whatever, and she was saying that in order to be a writer, or in order, well, specifically a writer, but to create, to be an artist, what one needs... Is room and board paid for, so they don't have to worry yeah. about their financial obligations? Because you, she said that you can't create art unless those basic needs are taken care of. Because you have to devote your entire mind to the art that you're trying to create, yeah. and not to creating financial stability and and like having your own human resources. <laughs> but it, someone else should take care of that for you. If you are to truly create and be an artist, which I'm like, girl, I am down. I want <laughs> yeah. a room of one's own, and I want to pay for. <laughs> but like mm-hmm. we, we, that is just completely unrealistic right. for us. Yeah. yeah, which is sad because artists used to have benefactors that would say, "What you're doing creatively is worthwhile." Mm-hmm. Do you do you feel that you get external validation enough to 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 validate? what you're doing creatively?
1: I have a hard time, like, internalizing uh, external validation. Um, so, I, like, usually it's easier for me to take in the negatives than it is the positives. And so, it, it doesn't... It, it, I don't feel like I'm being validated.
0: Huh. Yeah. But do people tell you you're doing well, or do they... they yeah. They yeah. do. Oh, yeah. my God, you're so lucky. Who are these people? Where are they? <laughs> where, <laughs> well, where did I, you find them?
1: Yeah, I mean... <laughs> So, sometimes uh, people will say you know positive things about like um you know like after a sad or something or um or my therapist you know says that sh- she's you know, impressed the fact that I get out of bed. Ah. So, you know, that that's <laughs> validation from therapy. So. Yeah.
0: Wow, yeah. I should look into that. Does medical covers therapy?
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, just not. Uh, it covers um, oh, that's great. I had no therapy, idea. psychiatry, I think dental. Um, yeah, I, I get to go once a year to get my teeth cleaned.
0: Yeah. It's time to do um,
1: that again. So, yeah, they cover all of it. Wow.
0: I didn't know they covered that because i i've been reluctant to seek there but lately i've been thinking mm-hmm. like i am not mentally well like yeah, there's mean, a lot even, of negative self yeah talk there's a lot of like diatribe in my mind about failure but the thing is i know where it's i know exactly where it stems from so i feel like also i'm like well, I don't need to go therapy because I've already fucking figured it out. Like I know, right, yeah. I know why I'm upset. I know, I know why, what my triggers are. Right. I know why I have a, a consistent diatribe of failure and, and circulating thoughts, perseveration of thoughts about oh, I'll never be good enough. All yeah, I, I know where it involved, comes from. Yeah. So it's like,
2: yeah
1: i mean i think that's a misconception with therapy is that you're supposed to go there and have some huge revelation about what happened in your childhood that's now going to make you better and that's not really what it's about i mean mean, there might be some form of therapy that's like that but i think generic like when you just go see a regular therapist it's it's just kind of for you for you to vent and for you to you know what you need in the moment and just to talk and let things out and it's not really like to change your full perspective on things. It's just like how, how, like what's going on right now and what do you need to talk about it? Just have someone to talk to. Wow. Uh, and I, I think therapy is good for people that aren't, you know, like if they're mentally ill or if they're not mentally ill, I think having someone there that's, you know, you know that they're there to support you and to you provide
0: validation and... Uh, they provide validation. You know. I, I so seek external validation and yeah. I and I never feel like it's enough. And when I get it from certain sources, I say, well, he only said that because he's my boyfriend or they only said that yeah, because they're trying yeah. to make me feel better. It's like I always discount positive it's like because it, I seek it from the wrong people, I guess. Like maybe, yeah. Uh, I don't know. But external validation it's it's so hard to to recognize when it's happening yeah. sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's why like, and, and then if you have like last night, I did, I did, I was booked twice and I had, I like my jokes, but the audience did not react the way oh. I wanted them to. Um, But I can't blame them, but I don't want to blame the material because I love the material. And then I'm like, well, is it me or were they? Were they just a quiet audience? They were all listening, no one was getting a drink, and no one was talking, so, like, I don't know, the question, when is it enough?
1: Right. You- I think, I mean, in comedy is so hard too because it's like you could do the same joke in front of a hundred different people and they'll all react differently. That's yeah. true, and, and you, you never know what crowd you're gonna have or who's gonna be in your audience, and right. I've I've done a joke before where it would make someone laugh. I had a, did the same joke where someone walked out of the room because they were <gasps> upset by
0: it. So, um, yeah, that's. I had something. I had something very similar happen. I was dressed in a cheerleader outfit for a. It was a. Every year they used to do um, the Sylvans. They used to watch mm-hmm. the. Super Bowl game at the Roxy, and they'd have the commercials up, and then they'd turn the commercials off during the game, and they did their own commentary, and I was the cheerleader. And I did this one cheer, which is a joke I have. I do the, give me a K, K, give me an I, I, give me an L, L, give me an L, L. Who did the Jews kill? Jesus! And I get in across, and I jump up and down, and I do these kind of Jesus jokes. And a man got up and left, and then came back, and he said, I had to leave, because that is so wildly inappropriate that I am Jewish and you are slandering my people Mm -hmm. in front of everyone. And I'm like, I I identify as Jewish as well. So I mean it completely humorously. I am so sorry that you took it that way. We ended up having a dialogue about it. So it was fine. Um, But he was so offended by a joke that I thought was benign. I just Mm -hmm. didn't even, I didn't even think that would, but he was like, triggered <laughs> yeah what did we call it before we called it triggered i don't even remember yeah, sure. i don't remember <laughs> it's but it seems like a buzzword now that right, people yeah. use and sort of they're getting involved with it. They're like yeah i'm triggered this triggered me uh ticked off maybe i don't know yeah ticked yeah ticked off but it's and we just didn't use do you think that we're that therapy over the say the last 40 years is changed the way like I don't know it depends because who has access to therapy not everybody has access but we do because right. medical exists yeah. so I it's wonder. hard.
1: It took me a long time. It actually took me, like I wasn't able to figure out how to get therapy until I tried to kill myself. And then they forced me into it.
0: Ah. So
1: I don't recommend that for you. Right, right, right. <laughs> no. right, right don't recommend right, right, killing right. yourself. But like, it got to the point where that, that's, I didn't know how, what, what else to do. Right. And, and then they once uh, I was in that situation, the hospital uh, helped me out. And, uh, you know, helped me figure out the insurance, helped me figure out how to get, continue with therapy and, right. and get the help I needed.
0: Well, then that was very helpful of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, this is, this is very funny. Not funny, it's terrible. But uh, when I was 17, I tried to commit suicide as well. And I took a ton, a ton of aspirin and I I took aspirin and ibuprofen and they told me later that because I took half and half, that was the only thing that kept me alive. If I would have taken oh. all of one kind, uh-huh. I would have died. But somehow doing half aspirin and half whatever. Um, but so when I was in the hospital and I had, they made me eat the, the goo stuff and it was anyways, Yeah. they, the next day, so it happened at night. It happened on a Friday night and then I was in the hospital on Saturday morning and then it was Saturday afternoon about four o'clock. They had me and my parents go in to see a therapist. And I'm totally barfing up all that black stuff into a garbage can. And the therapist person says, why did you try to kill yourself? And I said, because life's too hard and I just want to be with Jesus. And they were like, all right. And they let me go. And they didn't make me seek any counseling. I was at school on Monday. My parents took me home that night. And I was still kind of numb because I took so many drugs the night before. And we just never talked about it. Oh, wow. And they were like, "Oh, you know, it's fine." And I was back at school on Monday, like, and my parents didn't talk about. It. Nobody talked about. It. Like, we pretty much never talked about it again.
1: Yeah, I think things definitely have changed. I think people de- people are definitely more open to t- talking about um, mental health issues. I-, I think that it's more uh, it become it's become more of a norm now. But they were okay with me in the Jesus yeah. thing. Like, they were like, yeah.
0: "Oh yeah, you want to be with Jesus? Oh, you believe in that shit? Great. You're fine. Go home." Yeah. And they released me that night. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. But I was super zealous at that time. So, and I really, that's really the reason I wanted to do it. I was like, life's too hard. I'm not getting enough external validation from my friends. At the time I thought I was fat, even though I'm exactly the same size as I was back then. I was like, I'm, I'm a cheerleader and nobody likes me. Wah, wah. But instead of taking a gun to the to so the homecoming game, I sat at home alone, cried and took a bunch of pills because I was like, nobody loves me. I'm going to go eat yeah. dirt. you Um, But because, and it was, but, and the whole time I was trying to do it, I really was thinking like, life's too hard. Like heaven is, this was the song I was singing, right? So psychotic. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I want to see my savior's face. That's the other part. Cause heaven is a wonderful place. So I want to go there, and you sing it in a round. Heaven is a wonderful place. Anyways, and so I'm sitting there singing this song and eating my pills, and I was like, "Hell yeah, I'm super going to meet Jesus." And now it's funny because I so don't believe in that, <laughs> like at all. I think when you're dead, you're dead. So I don't know. I'm just I'm so surprised that they didn't see that as the psychosis and say get this girl some fucking therapy because she believes in jesus (laughs) (laughs) anyway and there and there he is um so can we can we talk about suicide a little bit was this recent it was in july wow yeah wow and you just the agoraphobia was too much yeah, we're leaving was, the yeah, house. Was, was, triggered by everything. Uh,
1: triggered by everything. I, you know, I was just laid off. I kept getting in fights with my roommate. Um, uh, dealing with uh, um, family issues and constant panic. Constant panic, constant worry, just um, uh, uh, dealing with the results of trauma. Um, like over like over and over again just uh, being in horrible situations and yeah, I just couldn't take it. I, I was just like, I'm, I'm too tired. I just right. want to sleep. So I took th- like three handfuls of sleeping pills. Oh, and, sleeping pills. Yeah, uh, I later found out it was just Benadryl,
0: but oh. um, it was just like over the counter. <laughs> but but it was too much for your system.
1: Yeah, it was I, really
0: because oh. any I guess too much of too much Benadryl can kill you too. Yeah, and
1: my, my my goal was to take the whole bottle, but after the three handfuls, I couldn't take anymore. I'm like, oh, what am I doing? So oh. I, yeah did you take yourself to the hospital so I, I text a friend and he ended up calling the emts
0: wow yeah wow what's the um family stuff you just do you are you still involved with your family they still
1: yes yeah, so, um my family um so my grandmother was in uh, hospice at the time oh. she's out of hospice she's she got better cool yeah it's, which is like a miracle it usually doesn't happen but um but because she's now in, a, in a, like a fa- like a like a living uh, assisted living kind of place they had to get rid of the family home and oh. it was a home i grew up in yeah and uh I had, to, I had to go back and help my family move and my family was being my uncle was evicted he he had like uh, rights of attorney for my grandmother's estate i guess or her you know the house and everything um and he was evicting my family oh. and um yeah wow
0: so it um, th- th- was, yeah. A lot but of you're it. close to your, you're close to your mom and dad. Everything's. I'm close they're... with my
1: mom. Um, I, I don't really. I don't. My parents have been divorced since I was like one years old. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, and I, I talk to my sisters somewhat frequently. I don't really talk to my brother as much. He's in Chicago. My grandmother's in Chicago. Um, my mom and my sister, and um, her two kids are in Arizona. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, it's nice you still talk to them.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: good. I don't talk to my family ever. Like, I haven't in, like, oh. I haven't talked to my mom in, like, six years now. Like, oh, well. not even a conversation on the phone. I'm like, mm-hmm. just, I just can't do it anymore. It's just, like, it's just not, can't I
1: do mean, it. I mean, they say, I mean, it's so, for me, it's so hard cause it's, it's, because because they say, that like, any negative influences in your life, like, regardless of their family or not like you should just cut ties with them really yeah you, know, you should just not have any negative influences you know
0: it does but I'm the negative influence in my life
1: yeah okay. right,
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah like I'm the one yeah. that thinks like I want to make a joke about it but I don't know how to on stage but it's like it's okay if you guys hate me no one can hate me worse than I hate myself like it's it's yeah. okay because I really there's no way that anybody could hate me more than uh yeah <laughs> yeah. but and then I—I I mean, yeah, it's why. But then those feelings of like, uh, is it inadequate? Do you do you have? Is it that you feel inadequate to deal with the uh, the what's happening in life? Like it's just too, like you don't have the. It's too hard to have the tools, or what's the? I don't know. I'm trying to ask, like, what's the. The, the final like it's just too hard and that was the and then you're just like pills yeah. it's just I can't yeah. do it yeah everything's just so There's, overwhelming
1: it's just too much
0: it's too much yeah but now you feel more in control
1: a little bit more I mean I still have um, like suicidal thoughts but um, not like they're different now I think yeah
0: yeah they call it suicidal ideation what I learned from going to DUI Okay, so when I got my DUI 10 years ago, I I never tell doctors that you feel suicidal. Wow, they really freak out. Yeah, Like they really take it seriously and they start (laughs) making you do stuff. Um, That was in my DUI classes, I made the mistake of, because he said, do you ever, when I was doing an intake for something, he said, do you ever have suicidal thoughts or suicidal ideation? And I was like, yeah, who doesn't? Mm. Like, of course. And that is not the answer to give a doctor, ever, <laughs> in any or the person yeah, who works for yeah. the state in any situation. Otherwise, they really get... But, I mean, I, I feel like that all the time, like, just hopeless. Right, yeah. Supposedly, it's not a normal feeling. <laughs> supposedly, it's not
1: a normal feeling? Uh, yeah, supposedly. People don't think about suicide that often. Really?
0: Yeah. I, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. That poor that poor YouTube lady. I I feel so much empathy for her. And my my co-host on the Altacast, she said I have no empathy for that woman. She went and shot three people and then killed herself. And I was like, but like, she killed herself. Like, I feel I feel badly for her that she it was at it was at that point. Right. Yeah. That she was like, I'm going down and I'm taking people with me because I am feel so worthless or right, yeah or anger or yeah know. anger but why take revenge against yourself i guess yeah. i guess once you've harmed other people in that way you really don't have an out right because what you're gonna go to you're gonna go to jail like do they work hard in jail to help you not kill yourself i guess if you do they they take your shoelaces away and they yeah I have an no idea try not to let you starve yourself although that would be a terrible way to die yeah like oof. yeah
3: oof.
0: yeah I'm a pills I'm a pills person too I wouldn't I could never shoot I could never shoot uh, myself yeah, no, I could I'm never or it. shoot no. anybody else I can't imagine that no I wouldn't be one of those people that took people out with me cause I cause the only person I'm mad at is myself right yeah so I'm not gonna like try to harm other people this is, I hope there aren't any doctors listening to this, and they're like, oh, we're coming down to mutiny radio. We're taking them, we're taking that girl to therapy. I, but I have, I've been thinking a lot about seeing if therapy is an option that might yeah, make me feel more healthy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been to, I've been in and out of therapy since like first grade. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, some some ser- therapists are good. Some therapists are when you not went good.
0: First grade, though. What were you What were you doing? Like, I this is something I used to do, and my yeah. my parents got called in the office for it, but they didn't believe it. But I totally believe I was doing. It. I would, I was masturbating in front of people when I was in kindergarten because I was so uncomfortable with the group dynamics and not feeling. I mean, I remember feeling like I'm not part of the group mm-hmm. when I was in kindergarten. Yeah. That's how I four too. or five years old yeah. I felt like I am not accepted by these people and they don't like me yeah and so I would I guess masturbate in class because it made me feel good because mm-hmm. I was a little girl who wasn't socially equipped to deal with bullying and mean people and all that stuff yeah and the girls did not they did not like me and I felt it even then yeah I but remember
1: feeling that too yeah Of Always being different, always being an outsider or not fitting in or not like, or knowing things that other people don't, you know, like that don't, they don't know things like, and it's, it's weird. (laughs) Yeah, no, I,
0: yeah, I was the weird, I was the weird girl always. And I, I just never felt like I belonged, but I also felt like I, I mean, I could read when I was three. So when I was in kindergarten and they were learning to read, I was like, this shit is easy. Jack and Jane went up the hill. Like, blah, give me some, you know, I've already read Narnia books. Like, I was on, oh, wow. like, I was on Laura Ingalls Wilder, like, in when I was five and six years old, you know? And, like, Little House on the Prairie stuff. So, I felt different because I, and I think, this is funny that we're getting into this. I think that a lot of my need for external validation has been that, I feel that my intelligence isn't respected. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like it's never been respected from teachers and other students and like I, I've I, I just I felt like I was a smart I always felt like a smart little girl and but no one was ever saying you're a smart little girl. Right. They were saying, yeah. You're so cute, you're so pretty, look pleasant. Yeah why can't you just stop crying in public? And I'm like, why can't you validate my intelligence? Right. But then when you're a person running around going, validate my intelligence, people don't like that. They don't react well. Yeah, the,
1: the, the humble bragging or some sort of other thing that you know, people
0: can call you. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I was like, can someone just tell me I'm good at reading? Like, right. yeah. can someone just tell I, me I'm smart? We need it. We need to have that yeah, validation. I, and I think that I just went to, and it was because it was a Christian school and I think that they were sexist and I think that they were classist because everyone at my school was super, super rich. So was I, but I didn't know it because they were like so rich. Oh, wow. Like one of the girls at my school, her horse stable was bigger than our house, you know? Oh, wow. Like she had 12 horses and her house was like a fucking mansion with, it had, It not only had a pool, but it also had a pond you could swim in. (laughs) Wow! They were like, so the people I went to school with were wildly wealthy, but we had a four bedroom house. I I never, I always had my own room, you know, I, but uh, man, that dang Christian school, (laughs) but valid validation. Would you, can you pinpoint, do you think it was the divorce when you were young or you you said Um, you always felt different?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that may have definitely had some sort of impact of wanting more, uh, like, validation or support. I'm sure that has, a you know, impact on that, um, feeling, like, neglected or pushed away. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was on the opposite spectrum of, as far as learning. I, I w- had a harder time reading and writing and, and learning and tying my shoes and, you know, things like that. So right.
0: Oh, I couldn't do my shoes with a shit. <laughs> no, I couldn't do that
1: the uh, yeah I think that's probably why they probably put me into the therapy because it's also in the like learning
0: like uh resource programs. oh gotcha yeah. P- private school, public school public school, public school yeah do you so you think that the learning learning in a different fashion because that's all it was yeah. is that they yeah. just, they just weren't teaching to you that right you did a little bit you know more, but then do you, do you think it's you felt not as smart, and that made you feel different because everyone else was getting it, or were you just there's, was it frustration?
1: There's, there's part of that. I think, and I it just it's cult, like, like culturally, I think I just didn't feel like I fit in either, just within the, the dynamics of the groups, and, um, you know, I just felt like an outsider in general.
0: Yeah, but then you have a, you have a, your, choice of look is, uh, is is different so now you yeah. kind of embrace it You're uh, like, yeah I definitely embraced it yeah and when did that when did that change kind of happen that you felt like I know that I'm different and I'm gonna fucking be different yeah
1: um I think so in fourth grade I decided uh I'm gonna listen to pop music because that's what everyone else is listening to oh. so I try to I started to try to dress like everyone else to try to listen to the same kind of music as everyone else and I looked around and I'm like people still don't like me. <laughs> so, like, it can't it can't be this. So, wow. I just uh, Wow. You know, yeah, so I just embraced, you know, what I liked and and
0: uh, hardcore and <laughs> But and that was but you figured that out in fourth grade. Yeah. That, it took me to call co- till college. I I desperately tried to fit in for in, all the way through.
1: I mean, I think we do all the time like for, I mean, I, I, in comedy, is the same way. You want to t- be with different groups of people, ex- accepted or right.
0: acknowledged, or right? Yeah, you I'd, know that kind of thing. I I'm seeking validation from the wrong audience when it comes <laughs> yeah. to, cause yeah. it. Is I've tried. I've, it's it's been hard. That's been a real difficult thing for me. Is even feeling feeling like an outsider within a community where ostensibly I'm kind of an insider, but I still right. feel like an outsider. Yeah. So like how we draw our circles and decide what's in and what's out. uh, Maybe that's, maybe that's the healthy part is taking circles away or making circles wider or I don't know. I just try not to seek any external validation from comedians ever. Like when I Mm -hmm. first started out, God, I wanted people to say good set to me. Oh yeah. I wanted it so badly. I wanted, I wanted it and it would, I would get devastated especially if I had a good set and nobody said good set. If I felt like I had a good set and no one said good set, I felt like it was a shitty set. But then I was like, I, (laughs) I mean, I'm truly the only one that can know, but no, because the audience is what determines
1: yeah, it's weird because there's multiple factors. Because there's like the there's the performance and the writing, and then does someone laugh and and did you feel good? Because you can get up on stage and feel awesome, and del- you know if you feel like your delivery is great, you remembered all your lines, you know, all everything you you know you right. we feels if you went well. But then the audience doesn't laugh, so technically you bombed. Right. But you you know you felt good about it. So uh, to me that would be a good set. Yeah. I mean, obviously your audience is you're supposed to make them, you know, respond in some sort of way, but um I think that's just one of the many components of of a
0: good performance. Yeah. Uh, so it's yeah, uh, the only one who can change the way you think is you really. Well, no, other people can other people change the way I think all the time. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I can't say that it's just although it's cuz I listen to them and then I choose to make a change. So right. it is yeah, I guess Ultimately happiness only comes from within, which they always say, and I'm like, eh, fuck you guys. Or like, <laughs> you know, like the only you have to if you're gonna love someone else, you must first love yourself. Right. And it's like I don't think that's true either that's because not true. I hate myself and I love my boyfriend right. and he's amazing. Yeah. So Yeah. weird. Life is weird. Definitely yeah. uh what other uh what other belief what what gives you hope for the future? It's hard. Um, it's, <laughs> it's I'm sorry, I asked the worst a, questions. It's so, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's uh, only, I've been grappling with this over the past week and a half, like pretty hardcore. Just yeah. like, what gives? I'm in a really a, low place right now, too. So. Yeah, Mercury's uh, in retrograde. What? Mercury's in retrograde. It gets out. It's out of retrograde on April 15th, Tax Day. Uh-huh. So things should be better after then. Okay. Things should be definitely better, but until then, Mercury in retrograde makes everything chaotic. It's mm. Mercury's like the the planet rules, you know, communication and transportation, and contracts and stuff like that. So, if you're dealing with any issues like that, don't don't until the fifteenth, because okay. <laughs> there, because it's it's. I mean, the and the bus was in psychosis yesterday. Like it was just like, oh, uh, I had like four bus incidents. Wow. Yeah, of like, people just, the, the the Geary R, there was another one right behind it, and the fucking bus drivers yelling, there is an empty bus right behind me, and all these people were just, they and they were old too, they were like 12 old Asians, and then this other old guy who was white, but they all decided... We're getting on this motherfucking bus. And the bus was full. There was nowhere to go. And they just kept packing in. And this one guy's getting pushed. And Jonathan's getting pushed. And we're separated. And I'm getting pushed. And people are sort of like screaming. And they're like, get off, old man. Get up. Don't get on it. The- There's another one behind. And they were pretending they didn't speak English. And I was like, what's going on? Right? It was like, wow. it felt dangerous and chaotic in a way that was like, almost humorous but not at all (laughs) because they just kept pushing on and then there was a different bus we were on and we were trying to get off and we kept saying excuse me we're trying to get off and the people were just pushing on it was like the people getting off pushing against the people getting on and no one was letting anyone go anywhere and i was like we are having some really bad communication issues right now with transportation and other people... The bus is moving between two buses and there's people walking. I'm like, what the fuck is going... What is going wow, on right yeah. now? Like, bus drivers couldn't communicate. There were three buses at one intersection and then there were people getting off and people getting on and another bus moving. And it was just a really... Multiple unsafe things. And I kept looking at Jonathan going like, Mercury's in retrograde. Mercury's <laughs> in retrograde. But it's... Things should get better after the, okay. the 15. Also, it like, just are you what what's your what's your other sign are you libra
1: i am a i'm a leo
0: oh you're a leo yeah so you like to be in control of things and we, yeah, when, this is when, a time when, I, when, when you I feel out of control yeah when
1: when i don't know what's going on it like freaks me out like uh the yeah if if anything's in flux i'm like i'm like in mad zone like what i need to know where where it's what's going on what is all the details
0: what's right <laughs> and it's a communication and it's yes yeah, so just know and have faith that after the 15th things should be lifted. Do you know what retrograde means? No. So it's three times a year when our the tilt of our planet makes mercury seem to travel in the opposite direction of our orbit of the sky. So when the rest of the celestials are going, like, you know, when Orion's moving and it always kind of Mm -hmm. moves in that same circle and you see it and it goes over the sky, you're like, oh, okay, I know what time it is because Orion's over there, over there, whatever. There's certain constellations, but Mercury travels in the opposite direction of our rotation during that time. It just, it it appears to do that. So they call it in retrograde. It happens three times this year, right now, at this time in June and July and then a later time. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, people with control issues feel very chaotic yeah. and out of sorts. And I just, now like think about when you see people and people, a lot of road rage, a lot just, it's people feeling out of control and like trying to express it. It's just, it's been happening. And you'll see people in bad moods, a lot of people yelling. It's and it's communication, and transportation, yeah. and control issues. So, everything should sort of feel better. It may be, and it, maybe, and maybe we both of us share the same thing since childhood that we just feel things more than mm-hmm. other people. Yeah. So, when these celestial things are happening, other people are more able to push that away and just not even it doesn't even enter their psyche or their being. And there's maybe an empathic sort of. And how else are we supposed to feel? Trump is president. Right. People are getting shot. Yeah, in their um, backyards and at, at
1: at work, and yeah, we're, yeah. The gun gun issue is you know out of control. Out of it's, control. It's, I think it was there's after the Parkland shooting of there was another school shooting after that, or two two more school shootings after that. Um, one where uh, a guy killed his parents when when they picked him uh picked him up for spring break he shot him and then um there was i don't remember what the other one was but yeah and then
0: yeah
1: uh, people getting yeah getting shot in the back by the police yeah that happened
0: in sacramento that poor uh, kid yeah i'm 22 not a kid but still a kid still young young father and and yeah what we'll uh close on this uh Solve the gun issue. <laughs> what would be but you I think you've solved the homeless issue already. give give them housing. It's tiny homes. Uh, something to have ownership over and and to have more control over their, I mean warmth and food. But can we what would you do if you were I don't think there's a way to do it in America.
1: I think people are too married to ha- needing to have their their rifle uh, and their killing machines. I, I don't. I don't think it's. It'll uh, never change. I don't. I don't know. I, I. I can't see it happening in America. Other countries have. Have even. There's some countries that uh, I think Japan, even their police don't uh, don't have
0: guns. That is so great. Yeah. God, I respect that. You mean people that talk to each other instead of shooting first, right, yeah. like shoot first, ask questions later, is like a thing people say. Yeah. That's yeah. bad. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Why are yeah. we? And we're so obsessed with militarizing everything and our gun rights. And that's, I think that's the only constitutional like thing from the Constitution that people know is like the yeah, Second right, Amendment. Right to bear arms with it. <laughs> right.
0: Well, and they don't read the whole thing. Yeah. Because the Second Amendment is really about. Bearing arms to protect yourself against your own government, right? Yeah, so creating militias and stuff like that. But it's pointless now because our government has such advanced weaponry. Yeah. That no matter what kind of gun we have, it wouldn't matter. If if the Second Amendment, if we truly want to keep the Second Amendment alive, we should be able to have um, little briefcases with nuclear, (laughs) nuclear, yeah. (laughs) I always pronounce it wrong. uh, Yeah, we should be able to drive a tank. Yeah. If we're right, like. If we want to keep if we're talking about constitutional law and you want to keep the the idea that the forefathers had in their mind when they wrote this, then we should have we should have all have grenades.
1: And fighter jets. And,
0: and fighter jets. <laughs> right. If we yeah. could afford it, why not? Yeah. Right. It's it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, America will always have guns, and they will always, but look at the exponential shootings yeah, now that are it's happening. It's been happening
1: all the time. Yeah, and, and like every day, and yeah. we're just desensitized to it I now, think, I guess. yeah, yeah. And sh- Chicago, and that's where I'm from originally, and yeah, there's like 30 deaths in a weekend, <sighs> you know, shooting violence is so horrible, it's, and it, yeah, and it's getting worse everywhere, and you're not safe anywhere. From,
0: it's you know, i know and then how are we not supposed... how is everybody not on medication <laughs> like right? we're yeah. we're not safe anywhere you can't walk
1: down the street without you know potentially getting shot at or yeah i, I, that, I there's
0: i mean that doesn't it doesn't stop me from living my life but i still i still am very vigilant look around and one of the things i i can't handle is uh, large crowds of people because i feel like and this is totally irrational or maybe it's not but i feel like there could be sniper rifleists that could just I've been take
1: people out I've been at protests where there were snipers on roofs and it's actually really scary
0: super scary because yeah. what, what you're protesting and they have to put you down with a gun like what right yeah so scary and I'm also very concerned in large spaces that there might be like every year at Gay Pride I get very very nervous that some fucking religious gun nut is gonna or bomb nut yeah. is gonna come in and be like fuck them Facts or whatever they say, yeah, like yeah. and and I'm just like ah ah
1: ah yeah. So we, I won't go to them. and we have history of it too, like the Boston Marathon and right and the um, and the gay people in the gay uh, yeah, the club. It, with the, like 49 mom, yeah. people
0: supposedly were they murdered
1: He was gonna go to Disney uh, World <gasps> first. They were they had a plan to I guess put a gun in the baby stroller. And uh, Under were, the baby, under the baby, yeah, some, somewhere in the baby
0: stroller, and uh, shoot up Disney, and they decided to do, do the nightclub instead. That is horrific. We were, I was, I was wondering when, when is it going to be Disneyland? When is somebody going to, yeah, w- like the happiest place on earth, da, 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 all the kids, or the other one we were saying yesterday when we were discussing this at the bar, uh, in and out. right like something everybody loves that is delicious and amazing and that makes so many people happy man I know someone's going to come in and just be like for what maybe because they're Christians and they'd say well it's a Christian owned business we're going to blow it up (sighs) the world is a scary place very scary and I'm, I'm glad that you're dealing with it you've given me some hope today it's nice I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry. After the 15th, it'll be okay. But seriously, I've been been—I've also been feeling, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of people right now are feeling this. Yeah. yeah. So don't feel alone okay. because the chaos is upon us. Yeah. You, do you think Trump will be impeached?
1: I don't know. You don't feel, uh, do I
0: don't you don't, care?
1: I, I don't think he'll be impeached, just historically. It's yeah. never happened. Even mm-hmm. even
0: when we impeached Clinton, he stayed in office. Right, right. Um, it, but even if he resigns, we've got we've got a, a nutball behind yeah, him. Yeah, so. Pence is even worse. And yeah, everyone else is. Yeah, his whole cabinet—it's very scary all the way down. Like yeah. Betsy DeVos is like number ten in line. It's funny that the Secretary of Education is like in line right. to be the president, and that wow—that would be scary. Yeah, yeah. Okay, don't be scared, everybody. Um, Thank you. So your show is on Sundays from Mm -hmm. noon to 2. Yep. Cool. And people can download the podcast at FCCFree.com. It's .com. .com. So it's FCCFreeRadio.com,
1: and it's Studio B. Studio B, and the show is called? Uh, What's Really Happening.
0: What's Really Happening. Yeah, with uh, Luke Sour. With Luke Sour. Yeah. Cool last name. Yeah. He's not a sour man, though. He's very nice. You know, he's very kind on the internet. Mm-hmm. He he, he validates people on the internet. He's like that in person it.
1: too. He's he, very he's very kind. Yeah,
0: that's really great. Yeah, cool. Uh, so everybody, listen to that show. And when can people see you next doing comedy?
1: Um, uh, the fourth, fourth Saturday of every month is uh, at Slate Bar, um, seven to nine. I do do a monthly show there. Um, that's the only thing that's coming up soon. I don't, I'm not booked really for any. Uh, everything's up in the air. Everything's been chaotic. So yeah, uh, hopefully get booked for something soon,
0: but. Right As of right now, that's it. Sweet. Uh, slate Bar is on 16th. Yeah, 16th and Mission. 16th admission. Yay! I think I'm on that show. Yeah. Hey! <laughs> Yay! 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 Um, well, again, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. For being here. And uh, thank you guys for listening to Some Call Me Tim. Again, uh, Cassandra Inglesby. Look her up on Facebook. Be friends. Even though Facebook is dying. Yeah. It's so sad. I don't know what I'm going to do yeah. when it, it... I mean, obviously, there's nothing else. Right. But this one, nothing's taken it over yet, but everyone's gramming, Instagramming and Snapchatting.
1: Yeah. And I can't do tweeting. Snapchat. I'm too old for that.
0: Oh, I don't even <laughs> have a smartphone. I can't do any of it. I don't <laughs> even know. I don't even understand Instagram. I'm like I do
1: Instagram. Uh, I have 5 Instagram accounts oh that I god. run.
0: Oh my god. I have like 12 uh, Facebook pages that I run. So, yeah. It's the only thing I, I'm too old. <laughs> too old to get it um, thanks so much for being yeah, here thank you so much uh, again this has been some Call Me Tim I've been your host Pam Benjamin and we'll be back next week with let's check uh, cause I can never remember we're gonna be back next week with Sarah Joy Brazier no idea who she is I don't know I don't, know. I don't even think she's a comic I think she's just a person and wouldn't that be interesting <laughs> um, alright we'll be back next week uh, keep listening to Mutiny Radio everybody bye
4: has to offer Run!
3: listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash kind. honey. <laughs> well,
5: hello, boys and girls. You know what a password is. So, go out there today and pick up some Green Army skincare products from your local Canvas procurement center. Join thegreenarmy.com.
4: Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to invite you down to Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District in San Francisco at 806 South Van S. We've got great food by our kitchen counter. Offer burgers, tater tots, tachos, corn dogs, all sorts of good stuff like that. They're open from opening until 11 p.m. most days of the week, except Saturday. Uh, every Saturday night, we've got live rock and roll for some of the best local bands in San Francisco and touring acts as well. Come on down, 10 p.m., rock and roll, only night of the week. We have a $5 cover charge, always 5 bucks for live rock and roll. We're open from 4 p.m. until 2 a.m. Monday through Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, two to two. Come on down, have some drinks with us. We've got whiskey Wednesday, tequila Tuesday, and we've always got the Steve McQueen special: shot of bullet bourbon and a can of California Lager for eight bucks. Come down and enjoy our patio. It's open ah, in the afternoon, not really in the evening, but a lot of good folks hanging out back there. Come on down, give us a shot.
0: Street between 8th and 9th and at 473 Haight Street at Fillmore. Both locations are open until 10 p.m. every night. Spark staff looks forward to serving you. Spark looks forward to serving you. you. It's absolutely true. Uh, I get to start a new show with involved with Spark starting on 420. It's going to launch on 420 but it'll be once a week, an hour from 4 to 5 uh, at their mission location which is awesome and they're wonderful and I'm very excited to do a new podcast for them called the Sparkcast, S-P-A-R-C A-S-T. It's coming soon and I'm very excited about that. Uh, yeah! I've decided for the second hour of Some Call Me Tim to be totally um, narcissistic and and read Jane Six um, because I'd like to listen to it and I also um, need to know what's going on so I can continue my story (laughs) because I've only done 13 episodes and I need to find out um, I need to remember what's going on so here we go everybody I'm Going to read Jane Six. Uh, periodical number one. Jane opened her eyes to a world with three choices. She existed on the hundred and thousandth and sixteenth floor of the ten lawn, but making this choice would help her live. She certainly wouldn't have to have the catheter anymore, pulling the urine from her body to break it into its usable components. Soon she'd be breathing that sunny yellow as oxygen and using the trace carbon to enrich what was called food. No one exactly knew what they ate, except the brownish-green goo looked disturbingly similar to what came out the back end tube and had the right amount of base elements to keep them alive before they made the choice. Jane Six had to choose. Not choosing one of the three meant staying in her pod in the ten lawn, a group of ten high-rise towers built after the water wars of 2121, and she couldn't exist this way much longer. There was talk of a small group of refusers on the 1,050th floor. But that had to be legend. None of the 10 lawn residents seemed to be over 20. And how could you live this way by choice? You had to choose. And there was no fourth option of staying. Like all the girls in San Francisco's 10 lawn, Jane Six had never seen a lawn or even been outside the building. She couldn't afford to. The breathing apparatus wasn't part of basic. Neither were the food upgrades or water supplements. She dreamed of glasses of water and was told that making the choice could give her something called a tap, where she could fill glass after glass of the glorious stuff, even wash herself with it. Imagine, washing her body with water? The most she'd ever drank at once was the straw capsule devices that delivered one precious ounce, just enough to bathe her mouth in its sweet wetness. She'd have to settle for the water lozenges, all the girls in the ten lawn had acrid breath from sucking on them to keep the dryness at bay. No one liked a girl with dry corners on her mouth, and if she chose to become a sexer, she'd never have a dry mouth again. Sexers got daily deliveries of all kinds of ointments. Nothing on them was dry, and they got a non-restriction tap. Maybe she could be a sexer. She'd been weighing the choices for years. It was certainly the easiest of the three. Sure, she'd lose her cortex and uterus, but she'd have a congen tap without limits. She imagined what a bath was like, all that water and none for drinking. How decadent to choose how to use all that resource. Sure, she'd let people use her body in any way they wanted as a sexual resource, but she wouldn't really have her own mind anymore. They replaced the cortex with a chip that made you want it all the time. So what was the problem? Kim7 and Kim12 became sexers, and they really seemed to like it. In only one week since their choice, they both gained four pounds, their hair shined and bounced, and Kim12 even gave Jane6 a bite of something called apple. It tasted like crunchy sweet water, and Jane6 would do almost anything to get another bite, except remove her cortex and uterus in what they called a non-invasive surgical procedure. Jane Six could choose to be a breeder. The opposite of a sexer, these girls chose to be implanted. They used their uterus to grow a better future. While sexers worked until they died, it usually happened on the job as the majority of sexers died from strangulation, breeders only had to birth 20 in their lifetime before they went out to pasture. At least that's what they said. She'd never seen a breeder not full of future, and she'd never seen a pasture. She'd heard rumors that people used to eat animals called cows, who lived in pastures and ate grass. But that was crazy talk. No one ate animals. What a waste, as so few animals existed in 2222. Where would you keep them? In, in one of the tenlon Towers? Would they have a catheter? Would they recycle the nutrients in their base forms? It was all too much to think about, and Jane Six didn't think she could be a breeder. It seemed easy enough, get special supplements and a semi-restricted tap. She could wash whenever she wanted, but never submerge. And she could drink glass after glass without payment. Jane Six didn't want the added two catheters to her breasts, and she'd be constantly growing and shrinking, but every choice came with compromises. Her only real trepidation, Jane Six didn't know if she could handle the constant sucking sounds of four embedded catheters. How could she sleep with four pumps mining her body for almost 20 years? And where did that future go? She'd never seen what breeders actually made. They got shots, got fat, got skinny, and drank water. Seemed easy enough. Jane Six meandered the gray hallway of the 1016th floor to visit Kim 12. Kim 12 made her choice last week and was moving out of the Ten Lawn into the Miss Sean Sexers District. The tallest building there was only a hundred floors, and every room had a tap. There were always the lights were always on in the mist shone, casting a reddish hue to invite men and women to the pleasures of the sexers. Anytime anyone wanted it from anyone, a sexer was quickly there and happily willing. Could Jane Six be constantly willing? She supposed her cortex had something to do with that. Everyone seemed so happy once those pesky things were removed. Jane Six perused the ubiquitous choice posters coloring the drab hallway. Choose now, is sexer right for you? I can be a breeder too. And the rainbow one with the healthy girl drinking a clear glass of liquid that always caught her eye. I am a host and I hold the future of the universe inside me. Being a host seemed the only viable choice for Jane Six. She'd get an unrestricted tap. She'd have access to actual food like Kim 12's magical water food, Apple. She'd still have her cortex, and she'd never have a catheter hooked to any of her parts again. But what would she have? She'd have an entire new world inside her, with their own laws and rulers and choices and posters and buildings and beings. And Jane Six would still be Jane Six. It hardly seemed like a compromise. Jane Six stopped in front of Kim 12's door, solid in her decision. Jane Six would become a host. But today, she'd have another bite of this amazing thing called apple and say goodbye to her friend who was leaving the 1016th floor of the Ten Lawn for greener pastures, whatever those were. Number two. Kim 12 was ready to move because there was nothing to take. The girls of the Ten Lawn owed nothing, not even themselves. They could pretend ownership over their choice, but their bodies belonged to everyone in the year 2222, whether they chose sexer, breeder, or host. Everything they needed in the ten lawn came with their room and stayed there after they left. The vibrobrush system attached to the wall cleaned everything. Hair, teeth, catheter portals, the floor, their clothes. The girls wore identical silver body-hugging suits with long arms, gloves, and shoe booties. Only their face was exposed. It was best to cover as much skin as possible to, invo- to avoid the rogue alien colonies who couldn't afford the host program, who would burrow into their way into bodies through exposed skin or the roots of hair. It wasn't hard to stay thin. You wouldn't want to eat more brown goo, but they had to. Folds of skin were easy targets for infestation. Those tiny alien creeps were too poor to pay the system for a real host. And if you became an accidental host, you wouldn't know until you made the choice. And by then it was too late. It couldn't be two things at once. And if already infected with a colony, you'd never have the chance to get a tap. You'd have to stay in the ten lawn forever. It was unthinkable. Girls had to be careful before they made the choice. Not only were they vulnerable to alien takeover, even worse, they could be forced into being a sexer without having their chip implanted and uterus removed. Jane Six knew those girls were worse than dead. Choosing to be a sexer meant an unrestricted water and the chip that made you like being penetrated. Being a sexer without a chip was impossibly scary. Kim 12 opened the door with a wide smile and hugged Jane 6, who was trying not to let tears form. Tears were an abominable waste of water, unless you had someone to lick the salty wet gifts off your cheek. She'd heard tales of clients who loved lacrimation from their sexers. But it was hard to make a sexer cry once they'd had their cortex blown. Kim 12 was openly letting those precious gems fall. Jane 6 studied her face, horrified then lifted a gorgeous gorgeous bead of wetness with a finger to her tongue. But Kimmy 12, how are you? You made the choice last week. Yes, Janie, sex, I did. I'm a sexer now. I'm moving up to the Miss Sean to start my new life, bigger and better than this dumb box. Red's not my favorite color, but I guess I'll get used to it. I'm going to miss you. Jane 6 let a diamond bead escape. It shined in the glow of harsh reflected light. None of the 10 lawn girls had ever seen the sun because they'd never been out of the high rays. Come with me, Kim-12 pulled Jane-6 inside her room. Jane-6 sighed, you know I can't be one of you. We've talked over and over about the choice. I can't let them take me. I'm all I have, but you're still you. How are you still Kim-12? Kim-12 went to make the sexer change last week. She took the special red elevator to the 400th floor, confidently strode into Ken 54's surgical studio, laid on the table like the training stream, but had no intention of letting Ken 54 do his job. The Kens on the 400th floor of the Tenlon were expert surgeons, if you could call it that. The rotary machine that descended from the ceiling had two robot arms, one reached between your legs and whirred that bloody pear-shaped uterus out with a simple twist and snap while the smaller flexible screw burrowed through your ear into the precious cortex, drilling a hole similar to the lobotomies of 250 years ago. Those years were barbaric to women, but in 2222, the kind Dr. Ken's replaced the cortex with a chip that made you docile, supple, and willing to perform any number of pervert fervors with glee. Kim-12 wasn't about to lose Kim-12 to Ken 50 Moore's machinations. Ken-54 read his chart and barely glanced up to meet her eyes. Kim-12, you made a great choice to be a sexer. Don't be afraid of the machine. None of this will hurt. In fact, nothing will ever hurt you again. We're going to start with this drip in your anal catheter, and you'll fall right to sleep, and when you wake up, all of this will be... Ken-54 Ken couldn't finish his sentence with the robot arm grabbing, twisting, and pulling his testicles from his body. It sounded like the rubber snaps on Kim-12's jumpsuit, His screams went unheard from behind the locked surgical studio's heavy door. There was often screaming when the girls made this choice. Some Kens thought keeping girls awake during the procedure was funny because they never remembered once the chip was in. Kim-12 hovered over his limply writhing body and put the flexible screw to his ear. The machine whirred and removed Ken-54 from Ken-54. Kim-12 stuffed his drooling, bleeding body into the surgical waste bin on top of the countless countless uterus and tissue. They used that matter for something, probably the brown girls, brown goo the girls ate in the tenlon. No one would miss Ken 54, not even Ken 54, and Kim 12 walked away, the first sexer without a chip. Incredulity washed over Jane 6's pale face. She'd never heard of a Kim or a Jane or a Cindy or any number not making the choice or making the choice in a different way. Kim-12 was moving to the mist, Sean. She'd have a bigger room with a more comfortable bed. She'd have breathing apparatus to go outside. Kim-12 would have an unrestricted kongen tap and food that wasn't goo. But she'd have to have sex, something none of the girls had ever done before, and none had done without a chip to like to do it. Jane-6, come with me. Kim-12 softly reached for Jane-6's gloved hand. You don't have to make the choice. I can show you a better way. Kim-12, I came here to tell you I have made my choice. I'm going to be a host. Do-do-do-do. Installment three. It was time for Jane Six to meet her colony. The UTIUD were an advanced, highly advanced society of bio-bacterial sentient beings. 30,000 of them would thrive inside her body populating and continuing their alien species, while she got to enjoy living in a new world of unlimited water. But what would that be like? Jane Six had no access to previous hosts. She used to know girls in the Tenlon who that chose hosting, but they always moved right after their implantation to their new living quarters in the Die Man Heights. She heard it used to be a hill, but San Francisco 2222 had no topography that you could see. It was an ocean of buildings and myriad people swimming among them. The outside world was a lot like what oceans used to be like. You couldn't breathe without ath- apparatus either. Jane Six wondered how the UTIUD would breathe inside her. Kim Twelve gave Jane Six something called a book. It was like a screen of pictures and symbols sewn together. The screens didn't move unless you pulled them apart with your fingers. She couldn't swipe anywhere and had a difficult time figuring out how to turn the first page. How delicate it was, this paper. How decadent to have something that was yours. And you kept and moved around and looked at whenever you wanted. Almost all the walls in the ten lawn were touchscreen-activated information. Any pictures they wanted to look at. They could, but these strange blocks of symbols with small breaks in between them were mesmerizing. What did they mean? And these pictures were unbelievable—cute, whiskered, four-layered, four-legged animals in baskets with yarn in pastures. Jane Six had heard these fluffy creatures existed before the Water Wars of 2121 and were called cats, but cats as an Earth-dwelling species became extinct shortly after the first alien invasion in 2099 of the lupine. The lupine were space wolverines that confused the feline species as a food source. Humans didn't seem to mind because they were the originally targeted as a primary food source. The Space Federation declared humanity a fine source as they were overpopulating and didn't seem to want to stop despite vastly dwindling resources. An inter-universal study by the Federation concluded that if the lupine took out 95% of humans, they'd be able to share their advanced water-conserving technology with the remaining 5%, save the planet from further degradation, and remove the threat of war and destruction from humanity. Unfortunately for all cats, the lupine landed in a repository where human- humanity relinquished their non-breeders, non-sexers, and non-workers. 2099 was still a time when people got something called old and had to live somewhere far away because they smelled funny, moved slowly, and got sick. The Loop Line were told that humans were virile, quick, and tasty morsels, opposite to the decrepit, gray haired hunchbacks and walkers in wheelchairs they discovered. The cats on their laps, however, were delicious, and these old people had a lot of cats. The lupine developed a taste for feline rather than human and decimated 95% of their population. There hadn't been any cats on the planet since 2100, their only memory consisting in pictures and legends. Would Jane Six's implanted alien colony be as ruthless? The reason Jane Six chose to be a host was to keep Jane Six intact. She wasn't willing to compromise whatever Jane Six was for the lush comforts of being a sexer, and she was worried about the contract she'd have to abide by to become a host. Jane Six refused to be exterminated. Number four Jane Six took the host elevator to the 500th floor. The doors opened to a rainbow lit screen hallway with digital birds swooping and chirping in a greenly pastured, pixelated sunshine. Bright tubes dangled from the impossibly high ceiling, misting Jane Six in scented water. She was going to meet her potential colony and had never really bathed in the ten lawn. Could biobacterial sentient beings smell things? Did they have noses? She imagined purple flies with rainbow proboscis sucking at the inside of her lungs as she took her blonde hair from its skull cap toward the skyward tubes to make herself presentable for the future. her future with them. What would she call them? Friends? Alien overlords? The pamphlet explained about as much as the posters, because just like Kim's and Cindy's, Jane's couldn't read. They They were never taught words, just processes and directions through pictures. They didn't really need to know much to make the choice, just that they had to walk down one of the hallways to an elevator on the 400th, 500th, or 600th floor of her building in the ten lawn. Jane Six slipped from her bodysuit to be fully cleansed. There was more than water in this spray. Some of the girl's genetic makeup was toxic to alien colonies and tests needed to be done before any introductions could be made. A fleck of phlegm could wipe out an entire alien civilization and they were the clients paying the biggest bucks. So some hosts needed to be genetically modified for the safety of the buyer. Inside the mist were nanoscientists pulling every strand from Jane Six's DNA apart, looking for the slightest abnormality or, norma- or normality that could obliterate an alien world. Thankfully, Jane Six wouldn't need any modification, just a thorough cleansing. The bio-side effects of hosting were usually helpful. One host gained a third breast, another didn't have to eat. Jane Six hoped for something extraordinary that would allow her access to the outside world she'd only seen through glass in pictures and simulations. Jane Six stepped out of the mist and felt the Vibrovac pull all the moisture from her body for recycling. She moved forward as indicated by the picture signs into the glass box and faced an enormous screen. Cameras droned around her, glass enclosure transmitting her image to the microscopic city in a plastic orb suspended centrally between Jane Six and the screen. Jane Six, host interview. Number one, um, I'm supposed to meet the, she practiced their name so many times and didn't want to stumble. The first impression is the only impression, but that was a sexer mantra and Jane Six suddenly couldn't remember why she decided to be a host. So much responsibility, could she handle it? UTIUD, I'm willing to host the UTIUD. The screen flickered and fuzzed. A garbled voice surrounded the room. They must have left the translator off because unintelligible voices screeched unhearable sounds. Or maybe that was just the prototonic voice projection system on the Fritz. Either way, this interview wasn't going as well as Jane Six. wasn't going well as Jane Six Six crumpled to the ground holding her head. Can you. can you hear me now? Testing, sibilance, moot. Did you press the. for the love of Eudis? How can we. Is she there? How does this? The squeaky voice vibrated nervously like 40 theremins tuning for a concert. We've been maintaining this kunky civilization for six million cast-ups, and you think we could figure out the kaput com system? Jane Six stood to her feet and stared at the screen that warbled into focus. Resplendent gems glittered on his alien neck like an implanted crown or a collar. She'd seen those on the cat in cats in the books she wasn't supposed to have from Kim-12. In fact, he had hair fluffed around him and slanted green eyes, but the UTIUD couldn't be cats. The entire colony of 30,000 was living spaciously inside a temporary enclosure the size of Jane Six's clasped hands together. It was an impossible idea for Jane Six. She could see the spaciousness behind him with Chairs on risers, slowly being inhabited by these feline-esque beings, while she was staring at the floating orb enclosure. This was just one of their rooms. That orb was their whole world. Soon they'd be living inside of her, all thirty thousand of them. Her eyes grew wider as she sl- slinked, as they. Her eyes grew wider as they slinked to their chairs behind whom she assumed was their leader. None others were bespeckled with gems, nor did they wear clothing. Their fur curled around them as they filled the small, well, microscopic, really, stadium on the screen facing Jane Six. The leader snorted or purred or cleaned something from his gullet before his voice normalized to Jane Six's ears. We, we are the UTIUD, agreeing sounds rumbled from behind him. And the UTIUD have come to Earth, seeking sanctuary in this willing host. We have paid the price, as will she. He grabbed something from below and out of the screen and waved a contract written on silvery film from his claw. The contract was impossible for Jane Six to read because she couldn't. Most hosts had certain rules to abide by for the comfort of their alien guests, and Jane Six was willing to make any compromise for a kongen tap. You will agree to our terms before accepting implantation, his tiny voice boomed. One, no alcohol. Jane Six could handle that. Only sexers drank alcohol in the Miss Shawn and Jane Six had never tasted the stuff, so not even a compromise. Two, no sexual intercourse or implantation of anything into your vaginal orifice. Jane Six had never had sex, nor any interest for it. Only sexers with that chip that made them like it did all that stuff, and Jane Six couldn't imagine wanting anyone to put anything in, in anywhere inside her, excepting, of course, an alien colony. Three, you must start eating meat. Meat? What was meat? They were talking. Were they talking about the brown goo or catheter nutrients? Jane Six knew that putting goo in her mouth hole was horrific. What food source could they mean? Another voice boomed in the amphitheater surrounding Jane Six. Meat will be included with her domicile on Diamond Heights. Jane Six couldn't sense any compromise with the contract and immediately added her thumb to the glass as an agreement mark before glancing up to ask, so where will you reside inside me? We are the UTIUD and we will thrive in your uterus. Jane Six's eyes rolled to the ceiling as she crumpled to the ground. Episode five, by the way, everybody, this is all from Tim's uh, which has really great, wonderful, hilarious things on it. Um, and you should go there and especially watch Lifecraft. It is hilarious. Jane Six awoke on a cold metal table, her head resting gently in phloem. She felt unbelievably full, but incredibly hungry. Three Brock doctors surround her, staring into her orifices with magnified tools. I am Brock 4. This is Brock 9 and 12. When you acquiesced to the UTIUDs contract with your thumb, we implanted them during your self-induced slumber. Most colonies prefer to be implanted sans anesthetic, so we took advantage of your natural unconsciousness. You might feel a little full. That pear-sized world is now inhabiting your pear-sized uterine organ. And again, there are 30,000 of them. I'm so hungry, Jane Six moaned. I've never felt this aching in my middle. Every molecule from under her breast to her intestines clamored for food, even though she was attached to a feeding tube pumping reddish brown goo. Brock Nine leaned close to her face, speaking to the other Brocks as if Jane Six wasn't naked and prone on a cold metal table listening to every word. Uh, the tube needs to be removed. It's the high grain protein slurry, but it isn't enough to fill the contract. She needs fresh flesh, not the reconstituted proteins, to survive the hosting. Hosting the UTIUD Insider. They require extensive iron. Iron supplements. Brock Twelve suggested we could uh, keep her on the protein drip and add the oral pills. They paid handsomely for this host, and we agreed that she would have access to meat in the Diamond Heights. Brock Four scolded, "We have to abide by their wishes." or she could unintentionally abort the colony. They're paying monthly for this host. Why don't we just try? If the host aborts, we'll just get another one. Brock 9 pulled his face from between Jane 6's legs and quickly withdrew a metal speculum. Fresh meat is reserved for the controllers. It's never been made available to Jane's or Kim's or Cindy's. What if the others find out? None of them know what meat is, so we shouldn't have to worry too much. Brock 12 added, Plus, sexers don't have conversations and breeders can't escape their catheters. She could talk to other hosts, but every host's situation is different. I really don't see a problem. If she aborts, we could lose the host too, Brock 4 whispered. But Jane 6 heard enough to know her life was not the primary concern, or any concern to the Brocks. How would Jane 6 stop the the, the gnawing inside her? The hunger was growing teeth, scraping inside her belly. Brock Four left the room, returning moments later with a small block of bleeding red that smelled like nothing Jane Six had ever experienced. She instinctively grabbed the bloody slab, shoving it greedily between her lips. This was way better than Kim 12's water apple. It was metallic and soft and wonderful. She chewed, swallowed, and looked to the Brocks for more. Easy there, Jane Six, Brock 12 admonished. That was 4,000 bit blocks. Jane Six's eyes widened. She had never heard of that amount of money. Would she be able to eat this every day? You'll get that serving once a week. It'll be delivered to your pod in the Diamond Heights. It's just enough to keep you from aborting the colony. You'll have daily iron tablets that'll help, but you're going to crave this stuff, and we can't supply you with more. Brock 12 hardened his voice. It might be difficult for you to adjust. Jane Six would have to wait seven days for her next chance to chew more of that amazing stuff. It was a new miracle and she wanted more. They gave her a new zippy suit, orange, the color of the hosts, and Jane's, all Jane Six wanted to do was visit Kim 12. But before she could take the tram from the Miss Sean, she wanted a nap and perhaps a whole bucket of meat. Kim 12 would have a possible solution to this meat problem. Jane Six couldn't imagine the horrific seven days ahead of her without one. Uh number seven. Cats didn't exist. Wait, let's see. Did I did I already do Jane Six did I do six already? Dang it, I can't remember. Oh, here we go. This is number uh this is number six. Trams left every 30 seconds from the Ten Lawn to any one of the 11 districts in new SF-2222, and the most heavily populated cars were going to the Miss Sean. It was always free for Kims, Janes, and Cindy's to ride into and out of the Miss Sean as long as they were returning and departing from the Ten Lawn. Anyone else paid 200 bit blocks for the privilege of breathable transport to and from any district. Jane Six had never touched a bit block and received her first deposit upon implantation of the UTIUD. Her account now held 1,000 bit blocks, more than she could imagine, enough to get her from her new place in the Diamond Heights to Kim-12s a few times once she moved in. She'd never been on a breathable transport outside the 10 lawn, so she'd never seen anyone except other Janes, Cindy's, and Kim's, Brock's, and Ken's. Jane Six had heard of Michael's and Brian's and Jennifer's and Jonathan's, Katie's and even Jeremy's, but had never seen them. Jane Six was on her way to the Miss Sean, exclusively sexer territory, but it also held permits for every drop of alcohol created or consumed uh, as well as the Valdum, Heronil, Crackatine and Marinol distribution and usage chains. Kim-12's place was on the 52nd floor. Imagine being that close to the ground. And she had a Congen tap with an immersion unit for two and unlimited access to alcohol. Jane-6 didn't much care about that because she'd never tried to drop, and her agreement with the UTIUD forbade it anyway. But she needed food badly, and Kim-12's cold unit had some of those water apples she'd had before and hopefully some meat. Jane-6 had never been this hungry. Jane Six whizzed through the tram tube without fear and was delivered to Kim 12's floor in minutes. She looked down the hallway to her door. 52, 52, passing blank sexers. Rows of Kim's and Cindy's vapid as a pit of starfish. Their supple mouths gaped and confused. She pressed the button on fifty-two, fifty-two, and was regaled with tinkling chimes. Kim 12 answered the door resplendent in diaphanous silvery shimmer clearly, still Kim-12, completely intact, her mouth widening to an ecstatic smile. "'I have missed you so much! Come in and check out the food unit! Have 17 glasses of water!' Jane-6 ran to the food unit and slammed open the door, tumbling into the unit with ravenous claws. "'Whoa there, Missy! How hungry are you? Slow down! I think there's some...' Kim-12's words bitten off by Jane-6. "'Meat! Do you have any meat?' Meat? No one has meat, honey. The controllers maybe, but even sexers rarely get access to those pricks. Kim 12 reclined on one of her many fluffy surfaces. Why would you think about that shit? Jane 6 emerged from the unit with a water apple because she didn't know what anything else was in there. It's part of my choice. I'm a host. The water apple was crunchy and sweet and wet, but merely a bandage on the gaping wound of her hunger. Holy shit, what did you agree to? No alcohol, nothing inserted into my vagina. I have to eat meat. Just three things. I can't complain. Jane 3 had 23 rules and she grew six ears. Jane 6 crunched delightfully on the fruit ball. No alcohol. Good, more for me. Nothing in the vag, eh? That'd be a tough one for me, but we all make choices. Kim 12 laughed as Jane 6 met her eyes accusingly. I suppose I made half a choice. I mean, I, I am a sexer, but, but you are still Kim 12. What about the chip that makes you want it all the time? You don't have that. Do you want it? Do you hate it? It depends. If I don't like them, I just kill them. Number seven. We're getting close. I don't think I'm going to have time to finish. Cats didn't exist in new SF-2222. Neither did rats, birds, or other vermin. The only pets that still existed were ferrets because their meat was worthless for dining. Most animals had been extinct since 2121 because of the famine years following the water wars when people would eat anything to survive. That was before the recycling catheter system of the towers had been developed. People didn't like eating people, but they had no problem feeding themselves from themselves, and if you told them the water they drank was a recombinant from the urine they expelled, no problem. No one really knew what the brown goo they subsisted on was, but they had ideas, and no one knew what cows were, because books hadn't been used for education in over a hundred years. Jane Six thought the meat she received once a week to survive the UTIUD's colonial inhabitation of her universe was cow because it cost 4,000 bit blocks a bloody scrumptious square, but she really had no idea. She gobbled it raw and always wanted more. But with a host compensation of 1,000 bit blocks a week, it would take a month for a tiny extra bit of red, vicious flesh, viscous flesh. The weekly ration just wasn't enough to satisfy her cravings. Well, the UTIUD's cravings. This tiny alien colony of 30,000 required Jane Six's uterus to be constantly full of menstrual fluid, but she'd never have a period again. She'd never have to breed, nor could she. Any insertion into her vaginal canal would murder thousands of them, and ejaculate of any kind could abort the entire colony. The controllers would never allow that because the UTIUD were renting by the month, and they paid handsomely for Jane Six. They thrived off high iron, especially meat, and the supplements Jane Six received were just enough to keep the colony happy with the weekly ration. But Jane Six was miserable, No other food sufficed, and her cravings were becoming intolerable. She'd have to find an answer soon, and was sure that Kim 12 had it. You kill them if you don't like them? Jane 6's mind was spinning. Well, I've only killed one so far. Kim 12 was noticeably nonchalant, but I've only had one client, so. Jane 6 shrunk back into the plush surface. He smelled like cheese. I don't think Ken's get a kong tap and i asked him to come into the immersion chamber with me but he refused he didn't like my questions or insinuations about his hygiene and tried to shut me up with his dick in my mouth obviously i had to do something i mean he wasn't going to stop and i don't have a chip and i certainly didn't want his cheesy thing anywhere near me jane six shuddered she could never have been a sexer mostly because she liked being jane six she'd seen those sexers in the hallways always applying lip gloss and didn't want to think of ken's putting parts in her that uh, oh, she didn't want she didn't want to think of what putting ken's parts in her parts would be like kim 12 finished it so i bit it off where did you put it jane 6 was thinking about blood filling kim 12's mouth and how delightful that would be despite the cheesy nature of ken's member what his dick holy the holy Marinol! jane 6 gross what, what do you want with his dick? I thought your little people wouldn't let you have any. Oh no, Kim 12, the whole Ken. Chain 6 hoped she could siphon some blood out of Ken and keep it in her food unit for morning smoothies. Blending some Ken juice in with her water apple would be heavenly and blood might service the emptiness in her tank. People are surprisingly easy to dispose of unnoticed in the Miss Shawn. Well, in the 10 lawn too, I, I guess. I mean, that first Ken was so easy and Jane Six cut her off. So there's more of him left? Y- you didn't save anything? There's there's n- none of him left? You didn't save anything? She wanted to cry. Jane Six really thought Kim 12 would have the immediate answer to stop her aching core. Kim 12 sauntered to her food unit and produced a vapor-sealed bag with Ken tw- to Ken's severed dick I was hoping to keep it for a trophy you know remember the good times but I suppose you can have it it's only a day old Jane Six licked her lips and reached excitedly for the bag you're really going to eat the dick that I refused the irony of the irony of this doesn't go unnoticed by me you know Jane Six couldn't ask what irony was because her mouth was full of Ken's tasty raw blood filled dick Number seven. Number eight. Patch me through to Jane's cognitive input. The kitty faced leader's voice screeched into the comm center before his furred body joined it. It was squeaky and high-pitched, a sign of excitement or fury. Tone wasn't an indicator the UTID used in their communications. The UTI officer Inside home base, deeply implanted in Jane Six's uterus, quickly opened the voice-to-brain interface. Jane Six, this is Commander Kasfot of the UTIUD. Can you hear me? Jane Six swallowed her last bite of numberless Ken. Her hunger finally sated. Yes, I can hear you, Commander Kasfot. She spoke out loud, and Kim-12 grabbed for her sound buds. Host and resident conversations were private, even if Jane Six didn't know that the brain link meant her vocal cords weren't necessary. Jane Six was nervous. Maybe numberless Ken was a bad source of meat, but they had asked for meat and didn't specify what kind. Jane Six didn't really know what meat was a few days ago, and she still couldn't believe in huge things called cows and open land without buildings for grass or plants or trees. She'd only seen digital renderings of nature. It was a visual package available for the 400-bit block upgrade in the window and wall screen of her space in Diamond Heights. But it only had birds, not cows. Trees, not flowers. J6, I just had to inform you immediately that whatever meat you just had was... Commander Kasfot stopped to wipe a tear from beneath his slanted furred lid absolute perfection. Whatever supplements and weekly rations they have provided up to this point are shoddy, lackluster, and potentially dangerous for our colony and you. Without meat, we'd eventually be forced to eat away from your body, starting with the uterine casing. But as you understand, this arrangement needs to be mutually beneficial for both our long and continued survival. Praise Aflac. If we eat too much of you, you die. Subsequently, we die. The supplements that they have you on bring us dangerously close to harv- harvesting yourselves for food, but whatever you just masticated immediately fulfilled our resources. Can you make this source available daily? Jane 6 didn't want to volunteer Kim-12 services, but figured there'd be much more meat to go around soon, Kim-12 was living the sexer lifestyle without the forced sex. Not that sexer sex was forced, because they did make the choice to remove their own cortex. And it was safe, because they couldn't accidentally breed. And that chip really did make them want it all the time. So if it wasn't really forced, it wasn't really forced, but Kim-12 did it now. It was only because she really wanted to. Imagine. Choice as a sexer. Jane-6... Was sure there was a lot. There was a food box filled with meat in her future. She licked her lips and nodded. Jane Six's brain automatically calmed the UTIUD, but she used her voice anyway. Commander kasfot I don't think meat is going to be a problem anymore. Kim Twelve removed her buds. They hear your brainwaves, dummy. You don't have to talk to them out loud. And what did you just volunteer me for? All right. Uh, you guys can go to. Timstesseract.com if you want to read episodes 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13, because we are out of time here at Mutiny Radio. Not in just on Some Call Me Tim. So next week, maybe I'll finish them up. Maybe I'll write a new one for next week, huh? Does that sound good? Uh, thanks again for joining me here. Thanks again to Cassandra Inglesby for being a guest and giving me a little free therapy and we'll be back soon with the Sparcast uh, tomorrow night True Hustle Thursdays 7 to 9 Great Open Mic Friday Happy Hour Open Mic 6 to 8 Impactastics Comedy Clubhouse from 8 to 10 it's going to be a great show we have Joey Avery he's hilarious uh, and other really funny people so hey bye everybody <laughs>
4: Subliminal SF brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com.